I don't even know if this is working right now. My internet, of course, three minutes before I go live just starts glitching out. Twitch isn't working. DLive's not working. I don't know what's up. Um, complete failure. But I'm here uh, streaming on TikTok live today. First time doing that. I finally reached the thousand follower mark after a week of drama over on TikTok. But good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Saturday morning. Um, welcome in, y'all. Set of Acantis, Post Jazz, Andrew, my dudes are in the chat on D Live. Anyone watching on TikTok? It looks like I already have like four people. Um, you can catch my whole streams on um, I'm on D Live TV. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Periscope, and I'm on Trovo Live. You can catch uh, all the replays of all my streams as well on uh, YouTube and BitChute. BitChute.com/slash/ShamviPlanet, and then ShamviPlanet on YouTube. You can watch me live on YouTube too. Until they kick me off. But yeah, my name is Sean Corey. Find my stuff, all my stuff, at SeanViewPlanet.com. I read devotionals. You can find the link for that there. And um, 
Yeah, thanks. I love the sweater too. This is one of my favorite sweaters. <laughs> um, and just follow me at Sean V Planet, S E A N V P L A N E T, on Gab, Telegram, Instagram, Social Galactic, and the Baratari Times app. Um, let's be friends and let's be family, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like we're working on YouTube now. We're working on DLive now. We're working on Trovo now. We're working on Periscope now. And of course, Twitch still not working. Twitch never works for me ever. Um, might just like abandon the idea of making that work or trying to make that work. But um, yeah, hope you like that music, that intro music. TikTok didn't see it, but my my streamers saw that uh, that hyphy, that praise that praise break music, you know, uh, the Sunday service music. So yeah, I got a good stream for you. We're going to talk about the Apostle John, but before we do, um, this last week, I was snowed in. Nashville got snowed in. Um, not the fake ice that Texas got hit with. We got real We got real snow and real ice here in Tennessee and, and Nashville. Um, then we got hit. We got First, we got hit with ice. Then we got hit with snow. And then it kind of melted and turned into ice. And then we got more snow. <laughs> and then more snow, um, which is weird because we never have snow. Um, really, sometimes we get ice, a lot of rain turns into ice in the winter here. So yeah, it's been like a weird snow week, um, in Nashville. And so my parking lot was just been full of accidents and cars are getting stuck. It's been a mess right in front of my door. There's like a hill that goes up. There's like a drive, like a incline drive that goes up to like a higher parking lot. And so right in front of my, like literally right outside my door right here all week, cars have just been like getting stuck, like just going back and forth, <laughs> trying to like get up the driveway and just constantly like falling back and revving their tires. So all week I've just been having like these cars just revving their tires right in front of my, right in front of my door, like 20 feet, 30 feet outside my door. And then the opposite way, people are coming down and they're not able to stop. So all these cars are like not able to stop and they're just going and hitting parked cars here. <laughs> So there's just been all these accidents coming down my hill and then all these like people unable to go up the hill all week. So, and I was snowed in. My car was just a little tiny Honda Fit. I have like a 10-year-old 200,000 mile uh, Honda Fit that can't handle snow at all. So I've just been kind of snowed in. So I got I ate all my food reserves. I've <laughs> been kicking it in my house. Um, yeah, it's been kind of fun. Got a lot of reading done. Been really productive on editing stuff and preparing stuff, so that was good. Um, my new work, again, was put on pause. My new job, put on pause. Um, yeah. Second week of my new job, completely shut down. My uh, big boy outside construction job, unable to work, obviously, in this. Um, and... Might go into next week, too. We'll see if the snow keeps lasting, if it doesn't melt, or if it melts so much that the, the ground's too wet to work. Probably won't have work next week, either. So all that building of the character and the learning of new skills and uh, being a valuable laborer and just crushing in general has been put on pause again. <laughs> we got another pause put on the crush, my dudes. Um, so, But hopefully we'll pick that back up next week. Um, also, just be mindful pray for all of the strangers out there you'll never know you'll never meet you'll never talk to um who just need some truth and love in their lives this week handling with all handling all this all the power outages and snow ins and injuries and accidents just pray be mindful for everyone that you might not know or ever encounter in your life pray for the strangers 
And um, if you can, do whatever you ever you are able to do to help those who are willing or uh, who are in need, if you are willing and able. Um, and yeah, also just being locked out of my house all week and not working has left me basically completely unable to burn calories other than doing like push-ups and sit-ups. Like this is just my apartment, my, my whole room apartment, you know? Um, so I don't really have much space to do much like physical activities. Um, <laughs> so I had a whole, I had a good month there of really getting into like cardio burning. I do like the rowing machine thing. I don't know if it's a machine, but the rowing thing at my gym, I've been crushing that. I've been doing a lot of cardio, a lot of weight lifting and a high protein diet. And I was right. I was really just starting to crush, make some real serious gains after like four weeks of a good diet. And, uh, you know, some, some, some rowing, some row action. And then now it's just been a week of like sitting around eating a bunch of carbs, like a bunch of pasta and <laughs> soup and bread. So my diet has been broken. My exercise routine has been broken. I'm gaining weight instantly back that I lost in like the four weeks prior to that. Um, but it's almost over. Hopefully the roads are starting to be clear things are starting to be opened up. And I think the snow is going to melt here in the next few days. And I'm so ready to get back in the gym, back to my new job, burn all these calories, get back to my high protein diet, go to the store, buy some meat and uh, get back to crushing, you know? And yeah, but starting start of that is I'm currently on my weekly fast. I've been doing this every Friday through Saturday. I eat a big meal for lunch on Friday and then I fast for 24 hours. So every time I stream right now live at 10 a.m. at Central Time, I don't know where you guys are, TikTok and everywhere else, but um, at about noon Central Time on Friday, I eat a meal and then I don't eat anything other than coffee and water for 24 hours. And that basically means like when I'm done with this stream every week, <laughs> I start at 10, I'm about done at like 11.45, 11.30. Um, and then at 12 I eat. So right now you're seeing me like an hour 22 of a fast and it goes very well. It's been going very well so far this year. I've done it every week. It's been great. It's always tough like going to bed, um, like going to bed hungry and that craving to just uh, eat snacks like right before sleep. But then when I wake up, I'm good. Like right now, I'm just good. Like my tummy's not grumbling. Totally good. Totally fine. Everything's working. Um, so, yeah, it's weird. It's like the middle of the fast is the worst, and then the end of the fast is pretty good. But, yeah, y'all have been catching me in the final 24 hours of a weekly fast each week here on my stream on Saturday morning. Um, and I'm going to just keep doing this if everything goes well. I'm going to bump it up to a 48-hour fast in like a month or two. If this keeps going well, I'm going to bump it up to a weekly 48-hour fast where two whole days I don't eat anything um, if this keeps going well again. I'm also going to be doing that turpentine pine spirit uh, cleanse here in a few weeks. Um, I do that like one, like for a whole week, about every two months, um, just to get all those those bugs and worms out of the out of the gut, you know. Um, yeah, sipping on the turp. <laughs> Andrew says I saw you at that bear meetup vid by Laura. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I didn't know they were streaming. Like all of a sudden, Laura was just like, "Hey, this phone's going." <laughs> That was funny. Yeah. And yeah, that was a good time. We were at a distillery in like middle, east, west middle Tennessee, um, kind of by Dixon in Hurricane Mills, I believe it was called. It's a cute little like distillery. 
run by an awesome little family, by some Mennonite people in Tennessee. And yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Central time, yeah. Eastern time, the one true zone gang. One true time zone gang. Yeah. Weekly 48 is great. I don't do that, but I do a weekly 24 and a monthly 72. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Three days is a lot. Um, I want to bump myself up to that eventually. I want to do like a, like a, a, my goal is to do like two or three months of a weekly fast. And if I do it successfully, bump it up to a, a 48 hour fast and do that for like five or six months. And if that works successfully, then maybe bump it up to a 72. But that's, uh, whew, that's a lot. Um, also, real quick, I'll just get because I want to get to this. This is a good stream. This is gonna be a great stream. I deep dived all week into the Apostle John, and I'm ready to talk about it with you guys and the lessons to be learned from his writings. So, um, but real quick, I won't be streaming next week. Next weekend, I will not be streaming live here. Not on TikTok. Not on D Live. Not on YouTube. Not on Periscope. Not on Trovo. Nowhere. Definitely not on Twitch because Twitch never works for me. <laughs> <laughs> never ever works for me but um um yeah won't be streaming next week i'm going on a retreat with my nice little christian friends and um my friends from my bible study groups and church and we're going out to the mountains of east tennessee on a little cabin retreat it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna build our friendship learn about each other and god together you know as a nice little as a nice little mini mini house church and just kind of get outside of the city of Nashville and hopefully moving past all this like winter weather, cold weather and start transitioning into spring and the warm weather, <laughs> the beautiful warm spring. Um, so yeah, I will be back March 6th. I have an awesome interview with two guests from a podcast um, called how I got, I believe it's called how I got dumped or how I dumped how I got dumped. But it's like a relationship dating podcast with two girl hosts. They're funny. They're smart. They're awesome. They have stories to tell. Um, so March 6th at 10 a.m., I'm going to be interviewing two girls from the podcast. I believe it's called How I Got Dumped. I can't look it up right now. But um, you can find them on Instagram. They're cool. And we're going to be just be talking about Christian romance and, mod and dating in modern times as Christians, as believers in the faith. How do you date? How do you uh, make marriages and dating work, you know, in these modern times um, as Christians? So it'll be a good one. Circle your calendars for that, for sure. And uh, be on the lookout for that. And I have some awesome guests booked and lined up for March and April and May and June. Um, no actual dates locked down. I might be taking the rest of March off because I kind of need to like move and get my life together a little bit. I'm trying to move out of this tiny little apartment into a bigger one, um, closer to my new job as well. So I'll see. Everything's like kind of on pause in March. I'm gonna try to be moving out successfully by the end of March. So I might have to stop streaming for a weekend or two. So I'll let you guys know. But as of right now, now no next week. I'm back March 6th with an awesome interview. And then after that, I don't know. So I'll keep you updated. And yeah, so yeah, I've been doing a deep dive all week in the Apostle John and his writings. It's been amazing. <laughs> I'm going to get into that today. If you're on TikTok and you keep coming in and out because TikTok live, everyone just comes in for like three minutes and then leaves. Um, you can catch the replay of this stream. It's going to be an awesome stream. If you don't have the patience or the cell phone battery to stay with me for the next hour and a half, um, you can catch my stream replay at my YouTube channel, Sean V. Planet on YouTube, 
or bitshoot.com slash zombieplanet. It'll be up there in a few hours. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a long stream, but it's going to be a good one. I promise. I promise. Stick with me. Invest in me for the next hour or two. We're going to the moon like GameStock, you know? GameStonks. What's it called when you can't remember three meals in a single day, yeah? It's a lot the first time. It gets easier. Yeah, fasting it just gets easier and easier as you go. But that's kind of the point is to challenge yourself and feel a little bit of pain and push yourself um, beyond your limits, beyond your normal comfort zone and beyond your normal limits. Um, and yeah, it's been going good once a week. And with me, yeah, my girlfriend's in the chat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be with my girlfriend at the retreat um, next weekend. Last time I ate three meals in a day, wasn't it? <laughs> Jail. Gets it. Embrace the hardening. Mustard packets and fruit only. Never eat the mystery meat. The only part that isn't a mystery is that it isn't meat. Yeah. <laughs> Fact. Nothing but facts. Nothing but facts. All right, let's get into it. Actually, real quick, um, just for anyone that's not aware, weeks week started off weird on TikTok. I just made some comment on some dude's post because he was like promoting his his daughter. He was like promoting his daughter on one of his posts that popped up in my like for you page thing on TikTok. And I'm like, okay, like that this girl's like really young. Like she looks like she's like 12, 13. Like why is he like putting her name like in the thing? So I click on her name and it's just like every one of her videos is her just like dancing to rap music, all like sexual and stuff. I'm like, dude, this girl's like 12 years old, 13 years old. Like, not only is the dad allowing that to happen, but he's also like going to his followers of like, I mean, he has like tens of thousands of followers, probably millions of views and stuff. And he's just like telling everyone to like follow his little 12 year old daughter. It was like weird. So I called him out. I was like, dude, you're you're a weak man. Like, get, get your daughter in check, dude. Like, your daughter can have a TikTok and dance around, but it doesn't have to be to, like, all this gross, degenerate music and all sexualized and stuff. And if at anything, like, make it private. Like, stop publicizing it to the world. And so, of course, he, like, reacts. I wasn't expecting that. He, like, made a video reacting to me, calling me out, being all, like, emotion, an emotional crybaby about it. And so all his fans and followers are like, you're the best dad ever. You're great. Don't listen to the haters, you know. But it just sparked this whole big, giant thing. And then I made a response video to that response. And then my response video just somehow got ended up in the algorithms of all the, like, the atheists and Satan. Like, literally Satanists. Like, every profile was, like, they had, like, Satan666 in their name. They were all, like, mocking God, calling God fake, and, you know, all this just craziness. Um, these really blatant anti-Christianity messages, really judgmental, really like angry, vicious attacks at me. And so I'm just blocking and banning, block, block, ban, ban, block, block, delete, delete, ban, ban, ban. But it just kept happening. I mean, it was like literally the video was just tens of thousands just coming in. Maybe not that high, but at least multiple thousands of people, you know, and so it was just weird. It just kept coming in. It was just all these like Satanists and Sodomites and all these just like degenerate people coming into my post. And I'm like, this is weird. Like my content really isn't like <laughs> never actually happens like that, you know? And so it was like two days there of just kind of like being like, man, this is, you know, Satan is busy. Satan is attacking me, you know? So the next day I make a video and I'm like, you know, basically calling it out. I'm like, hey, look, all these all these degenerates are coming on my post. You know, it, it may or may not be a coincidence. We'll see. 
But I was just like, I'm not going to stop spreading the truth. I'm not going to stop trying to correct sin. I'm not going to stop um, preaching the word of God, you know, even if TikTok is flowing my feed, my posts into these like degenerate circles, these satanic circles of people on TikTok. Um, and then the opposite happens. So the last two days, I've been overwhelmingly flowed with just praises and encouragement and love and optimism and just true hope and faith and trust from Christian TikTok. So my, note, my, my video after that just got this flow, this, this like rush, this avalanche of just love and praise from Christians. So it was a weird week. It was like I went viral, <laughs> getting hated on, just like all these degenerates and sodomites and Satanists are coming on and just like bashing me and all this anger and fear just being shoved, on, shoved into my comment section. And then that, the next day, next two days, and now kind of spilling over in today, it's just been this outpouring of love, like Christians just coming on my post with encouragement and love. And it's just been amazing. And yeah, just like um, just like Post Jazz here on my DLive or on YouTube says, um, the closer you get, the more you get attacked. And I think that's true. The closer, the more you are over the target, like the more you are over the target doing good and righteous things, the more Satan will seek to tear you down and destroy you. And that's kind of what people were saying in my comments. Like you were showing up on their feed for a reason. You were planting seeds in their minds, all these degenerates and sinners and just generally evil and wicked people. I think that post was kind of meant to um, poke them, you know. And God works in beautiful and mysterious ways. And we're going to get into that now. Again, invest in me for the next hour and a half. And if you're on TikTok right now and you're going to be logging out in a minute... Um, catch the replay of this stream. You can catch the replay of this stream on my YouTube channel, my BitChute channel. Um, that'll be up in a few hours. Sean V Planet on YouTube and BitChute. But let's get into it. Um, man, deep diving into John this week. The Apostle John was amazing. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and we'll just get into it. Most adults resent being treated as children by their peers. They can't handle criticism or correction by their friends and family, especially when it's done with patronizing, condescending remarks, and simplified instructions. Most tend to take selfish pride in their expertise, experience, and knowledge. Mature and well-established, life-experienced, and world-tested, they stand confident and secure. But even the most self-assured adult will listen carefully to an admired elder or expert in their field and not be offended, knowing that this person has profound wisdom and insights gleaned from a lifetime of study and patience. Practice. First John 4.4. 4. Yeah, we're going to get into this. For First John. We're going to get into it. Stick, stick with me here. <laughs> oh man what's up hopper yeah hopper <laughs> yeah people say i look like hopper from stranger things um or dexter from that show <laughs> yeah spiritual adults as well may find it difficult to accept correction and instruction from these younger from those younger in the faith but wise believers at any age will hear and heed the words of spirit-led mentors and teachers. When John, the Apostle John, wrote his first letter to the church, 1 John 4.4, 4, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. It's going to be great. When John wrote his first letter to the church, 
he often addressed his readers as dear children. And all of his letters are sprinkled with references to children. Yet far from being offended, the first recipients of these letters eagerly received the message of this elder statesman and revered apostle. Besides the difference in age, John was an eyewitness of Christ and was their spiritual father. In every sense, they were his children. In every sense, they were his children who needed to hear his inspired encouragements, warnings, and admonitions. Centuries removed, believers today still stand, still, us today, as dear children who need guidance and instruction. Far from having arrived, we are in the process of becoming more and more like Christ as we mature in him. 1 John 3, two, chapter 3, verses 2-3, through three, Read, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall, sh we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. It slaps. First John slaps, my dudes. <laughs> First John slaps. With the flick of a wall switch, the light chases away shadows. Reassuring children that the monsters were only imaginary. Light, pure and bright, cuts through all darkness, exposing reality and demanding attention. Those who walk in light see clearly and know where to go. But those who walk in darkness grope, stumble, fall, and turn the wrong way. In his gospel, John proclaimed that Jesus, the light of the world, had come to illuminate truth and to lead men and women to God. John urged all to forsake darkness and live in the light. John urged all to forsake darkness and live in the light. Yeah. Morning, TikTok. Good morning, TikTok. <laughs> Today, my dudes, TikTok, my dudes on, on DLive, YouTube, Periscope, Trovo, um, today we are going to deep dive into the author of John, who that author was and what he was up to, <laughs> the importance of his life and his writings and what it all means for us in this modern age. Let's truly start with an introduction to the author, the apostle John. Some question if all three gospels under that name are the same writer, but the similarities between the gospel of John and these letters, identified as 1, 2, and 3 John, are so remarkable that it would be difficult to argue that these writings were done by two different people. The syntax, the vocabulary, and the thematic developments are so strikingly similar that even the inexperienced reader should be able to tell that these letters were penned by the writer of the Gospel. Clearly, whoever wrote the Gospel of John was an eyewitness of Jesus, and among the very first to follow him. 
the writer of this gospel, calls himself the one whom Jesus loved or the one whom Jesus loved most. In John 13, 23, 19, 26, 22, 21, 7, and 21, 20. The one who Jesus loved most. He was one of the 12 disciples, and among them, he was one of those who was very close to Jesus. Literally described as physically leaning on Jesus during the Last Supper in John 13, 25, 23 through 25. Literally leaning on Jesus in his last night. The author could not have been Peter because the one who named himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved spoke with Peter at the Last Supper, raced Peter to the empty tomb on the morning of the resurrection, and walked with Jesus and Peter along the shore of Galilee after Jesus' appearances to them following his resurrection. The writer could also not have been James, for he was martyred many years before this gospel was written. So this gospel writer must have been John, the son of Zebedee, who shared a close relationship with Jesus. And most likely, it was also John who was with Andrew when they became the first to follow Jesus. He was the one who was known to the high priest and therefore gained access for himself and Peter into the courtyard of the place where Jesus was on trial. This one disciple stood by Jesus during his crucifixion and walked with Jesus after his resurrection. This is that same disciple who wrote the gospel that bears his name. In 1 John, the author claimed to be among those who heard, saw, and even touched the eternal word made flesh. Or in other words, John lived and traveled with the man Jesus. As such, his testimony is firsthand. He was an eyewitness of the greatest person to enter human history. The greatest person to enter into human history is an eyewitness. And likely no other mortal man knew Jesus better than John himself. At the beginning of 2nd and 3rd John, this author identified himself as the Elder. This title likely pointed to John's position at that time as the oldest living apostle and chief leader among the churches in the Roman province of Asia Minor. The Elder. This elder status is also made clear in 1 John by the way he addressed the believers as his dear children. John and the other apostles were probably forced to leave Jerusalem by 70 AD, if not earlier, due to mounting persecution. These books were likely written around 90 AD in Ephesus and what is today in what is today called Turkey. There he began a successful ministry among the Gentiles of those lands and wrote a gospel for these believers somewhere around 80 or 90 AD. Sometime thereafter, some of the members of the community left to form a rival group. And in response, John wrote a letter in order to deal with the crisis by encouraging the believers to remain in Christ and in the fellowship, denouncing those who had selfishly left. 2 John was written shortly after, as it dealt with the same issue, 
warning believers not to receive the traveling teachers who were spreading the false teachings of those who had left the, the church. Third John has the same characteristics. John cautioned Gaius about Diotrephes, Diophatres, Diotrephes, who had evidently been affected by the secessionists and had a negative attitude about John and his co-workers. It is very likely that all four books of John were written in Ephesus, which had become a booming political, commercial, and religious center during that time considered to be a key city in the Roman Empire. The church at Ephesus had been founded in 52 AD by Paul on his second missionary journey, and the church there had flourished and became a strong spiritual community under the ministry of Apollos, Priscilla, and Achaia. While imprisoned, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians around 60 AD, and the church is described in Revelation 2, 1-7 where God commends the Ephesian believers for their hard work and patient endurance. But God also warns, warns the Ephesians about forsaking their love for him. He calls them to repent and do the things you did at first in Revelation 2, 4-5. After writing these letters from Ephesus, John was exiled by the Roman government to the island of Patmos, famously. John of Patmos. There he wrote the book of Revelation before returning to Ephesus for his final years. He was the first to follow Jesus. He was the closest to Jesus during the Last Supper, physically. He followed Jesus to his trial. He was the only disciple that went to Jesus' cross and was given a direct command from Jesus to care for the mother Mary. He outran Peter to the empty tomb and was the first apostle to believe in Jesus' resurrection. Because of his relationship to Jesus, John's testimony to his community and the rest of humanity thereafter can be trusted. His readers were, and still are, believers of all ages, who need to be affirmed as, as a community in love, life, and truth. His purpose in writing these letters we will be covering today was to reassure Christians in their faith and to counter false teachings. John wrote to clear the air of all falsehoods and bring the believers back to the pure beginning of the gospel and to the basics of the Christian life. John urged his readers to have fellowship with God in the light, to confess their sins, to love God, and to love their fellow Christians, to abide in Christ to purify themselves from worldly lusts, to know God personally and through experience, to appreciate the gift of eternal life, to follow the spirit of truth in discerning false teachings, to esteem Jesus Christ as the true God, and above all, John stressed how necessary it was for the early believers to maintain a proper relationship with those who had been with Jesus. This man had a nearly unbelievable life experience. Like, nearly unbelievable <laughs> life experience. Literally walking and talking with the Word made flesh. And, Jesus, and heard Jesus teach, heal the sick, confront hypocrites, 
and clear the temple firsthand. John spoke with Jesus, saw him transfigured, ate with him, and lived close to him. This man focused upon five main topics in the letters we have from him today. Sin, love, family of God, truth and error, and assurance. Topics we should focus on, appreciate, and respond to with great importance and reverence. We all sin, even Christians sin. Sin, or failing to bring glory to God and falling short of his right ways, requires God's forgiveness. And Christ's death provides it for us. Determining to live according to God's standards in the Bible shows that believers' lives are being transformed. Talk is cheap. <laughs> oh yeah, talk is cheap. Reality must be tested by one's relationship with the members of the church community. John urged the believers to know the truth and to live in it. We cannot deny our sin nature, maintain that we are above sinning, or minimize the consequences of sin in our relationship with God. We must resist the attraction of sin, yet we must confess when we do sin. Be honest with yourself and with God. Admit your sin to Him and live in the freedom of His forgiveness. In John's epistles, all talk of one's living in God must be tested by how one lives with his or her companions in Christ. Live for God, love for God, must be exhibited in love for others. Love for God must be exhibited in love for others. We are commanded by the lips of Jesus to love one another. John repeated this command often, basing it on the premise that since God is love, then all who claim to know God must exhibit that nature in their relationship with others. Jesus commands his followers to love others as he did. This love is evidence that they are truly saved. We must love all people as our Lord loves us. God is the creator and source of love, and he makes it clear that he cares deeply that his children love each other. It is easy to talk about love and how much we love people, but love means putting others first. Love is action. It is showing others that we care, not just words. Forgive and let all your selfish desires, resentment, fear, and anger go, and love all those around you. During the days of his ministry, Jesus was introducing the Father to the disciples and initiating them into the fellowship. Then, once the disciples were regenerated by the Spirit, they actually entered into fellowship with the Father and the Son. Having been brought into this divine participation, the apostles became the new initiators, introducing this fellowship to others and encouraging them to enter into fellowship with them. Whoever would enter into fellowship with the apostles would actually be entering into their fellowship with the Father and the Son. The one unique fellowship between the Father and the Son began in eternity, was manifest in time through the incarnation of the Son, was introduced to the apostles, 
and then through the apostles was extended to each and every believer. Those who entered into this fellowship by believing in Christ became members of God's family and the Christian community. God's life and his children enables them to love their fellow family members. How people treat each other shows who their father is. God's children love others, especially those in the family of faith. Some think that they can live for God on their own, but he created us for fellowship. Our father wants us to love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should take seriously our place in God's family. False teachings, misguided shepherds, and self-understanding result in people becoming indifferent to sin. John calls those who reject or deny that Jesus was the Messiah hold within themselves a spirit of the Antichrist. He referred to many deceivers, quote, many deceivers who would not acknowledge the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, and such a person, he wrote, was the deceiver and the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, but not to be confused with the one great deceiver and the ultimate and final Antichrist himself. God is truth and light and life and the way. The more we get to know him, the better we can keep focused on what is good, true, and beautiful. Avoid the false teachings and inversion tactics of materialists and non-believers at all times. John assures readers several times in his letters that they can know or be sure, that they can know him, that they belong to the truth, and that God lives in them and he hears their prayers. God is in control of heaven and earth because his word is true. Believers can have assurance of eternal life and victory over sin. By faith, they can be certain of their eternal destiny with him. Assurance of our relationship with God is a promise, but it is also a way of life. Assurance of our relationship with God is a promise, but it is also a way of life. We build our confidence by trusting in God's word and in Christ's provision for our sin. Competing teachers can cause confusion, and tough times can bring about doubts. Oh, Lordy, that's true. <laughs> Competing teachers can cause confusion, and tough times can bring doubts. But regardless of what is happening around us or to us, we can be assured always of God's presence and love and of our eternal destination in his kingdom. If you have trusted in Christ as your savior, you have eternal life. Right, TikTok? If you have trusted in Christ as your savior, you have eternal life. God lives in you and you are on your way to experience heaven. Go live with the assured confidence of the reality of God. And yeah, another car stuck in my parking lot. <laughs> another car stuck in my parking lot. John saw Jesus Christ firsthand. Yeah. Coming in late. Coming in late with some facts I was covering. But yeah, 
John saw Christ firsthand. John literally rested upon him physically the night before he was taken by the guards. Yeah. John was the man. John was the man. Yeah, any any questions, send them D Live, YouTube, Periscope, Trovo. If you agree, if you disagree, let me know. Um, with some of my claims. That is a contentious debate. Some people don't believe it's the same John who wrote every book. I do. I truly do. Reading it for myself, I read it in order. Read John. We're going to talk about that, the Gospel of John here right now. But if you read the Gospel of John and just go straight into 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, it really reads like the same writer. John of Patmos. And it's interesting seeing all the different religions with their different takes on who John was and how they revere him. <laughs> um, seems like Lutherans don't, Lutherans and Protestants tend to give more like credence and of their like time and attention to Paul and Paul's writings. And it seems like a lot of the um, like Orthodox and Catholic give a lot more um, time and attention to like John and the writers of the actual Gospels, Luke and John and um, the writer of Matthew. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't really know why, or I don't really know too much about the differences and the splits of opinions. But it seems like some like uh, more more Lutheran minded folks think that John was written by different people, and they don't really put too much. They don't place too much of an emphasis on it. It might be. I mean, actually, I'm just thinking this off the top of my head. It might be because John is telling everyone to get along. <laughs> John is, is telling everyone to stay true to the one church. And if you're a Lutheran, by definition, you've broken away from the quote-unquote true church. Um, but I don't know. It seems Catholics and Orthodox, though, like him. So they've had a break and a split. You'd think one of them would be into it. I don't really know. I'm theorizing right now about this. Ba-bam, says Lauren. <laughs> a ba-bam. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. The Gospel of John. Again, there's debates, there's people, people have their doubts and their skepticism, but I truly believe that John was written by the same guy, the Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved the most. And let's get into it. We're going to talk about the Gospel of John, and then we're going to talk about the letters. And again, I'm assuming that it's the same guy. I'm going with my, 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 the Holy Spirit working through me is telling me that it's the same John, and that he's just probably one of the greatest men who ever lived that wasn't Christ himself, God in flesh. Um, John was probably the greatest mortal man that ever lived. <laughs> the one whom Jesus loved the most. And I do believe he wrote the Gospel of John, which is what we're going to talk about right now, the Gospel of John. This book is brilliantly designed to serve a purpose that is stated near the end. John says that the story is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John believes that, that the Jesus you read about in this book is alive and real, and that he can change your life forever. Um, John was the best. I'm late again. Sorry. No, pff, no worries, bedridden bear. <laughs> Hope all is well. Matthew and John bookmark the good news. Oh, good. I didn't miss the reading. Yeah. <laughs> you missed the introduction, bedridden bear. Don't worry. We're going to get into the gravy right now. We're going to get into the true gravy right now. The Gospel of John and his writings. Which again, I am making the claim 
here and now. You can debate me. We can we can disagree. But I'm making the claim that it was all written by the same John, John the Apostle, the one whom Jesus loved the most. Um, the Gospel of John. This book is brilliantly designed to serve a purpose that is stated near the end. John says that the story is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. John believes that the Jesus you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can change your life forever. The book's design is very interesting, with the first half opening up as an introductory poem and as a short story that's followed by then a big block of stories about Jesus' performing miraculous signs and generating increasing controversy which all culminate in his greatest sign, the raising of Lazarus, which creates the greatest controversy as Israel's leaders decide to kill Jesus. And that launches into the second half of the book, where the focus is on Jesus' final night and last words to his disciples and to all, which are followed by his arrest, his trial, his death, and his resurrection. In the beginning was the Word, <laughs> and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Greek term used for Word is logos, or logos, for um, Koine Greek enthusiasts. It's actually logos, logos, but I say logos. It's uh, my <laughs> Southern American accent leads me to believe that it's um, logos, which means an agent of creation. Logos means an agent of creation. The source of God's message to his people through the prophets, God's law, and his standard of holiness. Logos was the rational principle governing the universe. Logos was the rational principle governing the universe. For both Jews and Greeks, the term Logos signified beginnings. Jesus Christ, the Logos, is from the beginning because he is God. John's use of Logos is an amazing title for the Son who both created the universe with God and then came to earth to be the perfect expression of God to humanity. Jesus, the Logos, is the image of the invisible God. The express image of God's substance, the revealer of God himself to us, and gives both spiritual and eternal life to all who believe in him. The word became one in Jesus. Our creator became flesh to teach us, correct us, lead us, and sacrifice for us, so that we may know and follow his word. Jesus goes on to encounter four major Jewish institutions and shows throughout the book of John that he is the reality to which the Jewish institutions of the past pointed towards. He turned the water into wine at a wedding party, which is described as his first sign or his first symbol that reveals something about Jesus. Just as Isaiah said that the Messianic kingdom would be like a huge party with lots of good wine, so this miraculous sign reveals the generosity of Jesus' kingdom. 
Next, Jesus goes to the Jerusalem temple, the place where heaven and earth were supposed to come together, and God would meet with his people. And Jesus, Jesus asserts his authority over it. Running out all of the money changers, stopping the sacrificial offerings, and when the temple leaders threaten him, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus is claiming that his coming sacrificial death is where heaven and earth will truly meet together. His body that will be killed is the reality to which the temple building points. Then Jesus has an overnight conversation with a rabbi named Nicodemus. I say Nicodemus, I've heard Nicodemus, but I believe it's Nicodemus who thinks that Jesus is just like him, another rabbi and teacher for Israel. But Jesus says that Israel needs much more than just another teacher with new information. It needs a new heart and a new life. Or in his own words, no one can experience God's kingdom without being born again. You must be born again. Jesus believes that humans are caught in a web of selfishness and sin that leads to death. But he also knows that God loves this world and, he's, and so he's here to offer people a new birth and a new chance at life. From here, Jesus travels north and he ends up at a, sac, at a sacred well in a conversation with the Samaritan. And they start talking about water, which Jesus turns into a metaphor for himself. He says he is here to bring living water that can become a source of eternal life. He says, quote, I have water to give that becomes a spirit, a spring bubbling with eternal life. Water that is eternal life. To John, this term refers to a new quality of life. One that's infused with God's eternal love and it's a life that can begin now and last into the future. After this, John has designed another collection of stories that took place during four Jewish sacred days or feasts. And again, Jesus used the images related to the feast to make claims about himself. He first heals a paralyzed man on the Sabbath, which starts a controversy with the Jewish leaders about working on the day of rest. And Jesus says it's his father who is working on the Sabbath, and so is he. They catch on to his meaning that he was calling God his father, making himself equal with God. And for that, these Jewish elite seek to have him killed. The next story takes place during Passover, the feast that retold the Exodus story with the symbolic meal of the lamb, the bread, and wine. And Jesus miraculously provides food for a crowd of thousands which results in people asking him for more bread. Then Jesus goes on to claim that he is the true bread, and if they eat him, they will discover eternal life. And this offends many people who stop following him. After this is the block of stories set in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, which retold the story of Israel's wilderness wanderings 
as God guided them with the pillar of cloud and fire and provided them with water in the desert. So Jesus naturally (laughs) gets up in the temple courts and shouts, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And later says, I am the light of the world. He is claiming to be the illuminating presence of God and the life-saving gift of God to his people. Some people believe and follow him, but others are offended. Some even try to kill him for these exalted claims. The final feast story of the book of John is during Hanukkah. It's about how Judah Maccabee cleared the temple of idols and set it apart as holy once more. And Jesus goes into the temple area and says that he is the one whom God has set apart as the Holy One. That he is the true temple where God's presence dwells. And also says that I and the Father are one. This makes the Jerusalem leaders so angry. They set in motion a plan to kill Jesus, and so he retreats from the city. Now, all of these conflicts culminate in one last miraculous sign. Jesus hears that his dear friend Lazarus was sick, but his family lives near Jerusalem, which is now a death trap for Jesus. He could stay away and save his own life. But he loves Lazarus. So once he hears that Lazarus has died, he goes to raise him from the dead and he calls him to life out of his tomb, knowing that it will cost him his own life. The news of this amazing sign spreads quickly, of course, and the Jerusalem leaders hear about it and begin conspiring to murder him. Jesus then rides into Jerusalem as Israel's king, who is rejected by its leaders. The first half of John ends with Jesus laying down his own life as an act of love for his friend, which is also a sign pointing forward to the cross. We are then told about Jesus' final night and last words to the disciples as he tries to prepare them for his coming death. Jesus performs a shocking act at dinner, taking on the role of a common servant by kneeling down to wash their feet, their dirty feet. Something that in the culture, a superior rabbi would never do for his disciples. But he says that it is a symbol of his entire life's purpose, to reveal the true nature of God as a being of self-giving love, and a symbol of what Jesus is about to do in becoming a servant and giving up his life to die for the sins of the world. This act leads to his great command to his disciples that they are to follow him by loving one another as he has loved them. Acts of loving generosity are to be the hallmark of Jesus's followers. And what will show the world, and what will show the world who Jesus is and therefore who God is. Jesus tells his disciples that he is going away but that the Spirit, also known as the Advocate, will come to all of us. This is Jesus' divine, personal presence that can be in any place at any time and not confined to a flesh body. 
John says that the one God consists of a loving of the loving relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. A loving, personal presence that will come to live in his people to draw them into the love between the Father and the Son. Jesus tells his, tells his disciples that the world hated and opposed him. And so too will they hate and oppose them. But not to be afraid. Be not afraid. Because he has already conquered or gained victory over the world. John then concludes his gospel by showing us what that victory looks like. The Jewish leaders sent Roman soldiers to arrest Jesus. When they asked which one of the group was Jesus, he declared confidently, I am. And they fell backwards. The Roman soldiers fell backwards. That phrase is often used to reflect God's covenant name and highlights one of John's core claims about Jesus. Seven times Jesus says, I am followed by an astounding claim. I am. He says, I am the bread of life. And this is all from John in uh, 6.35, chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. In uh, chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, verse 7, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. In chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the the good shepherd. In chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. In 14, 6, one of my favorite verses <laughs> in the whole Bible as of right now, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And seven times, separately, Jesus simply says, I am, and echoing his divine name. In chapter 4, verse 26, chapter 6, verse 20, chapter 8, verse 24, chapter 8, verse 28, chapter 8, verse 58, chapter 13, verse 19, and chapter 18, verse 5, Jesus says, I am showing that he and the Father are one. The ironic climax of all of these occurrences is that Jesus reveals his divine name, his power, and his victory precisely at the moment he gives up his life, declares victory exactly when he gives up his own life. Jesus is then put on trial for his exalted claims to be the Son of God and the King of Israel. First before the high priests, and then before the Roman governor Pilate, who has to take seriously anyone who is charged with claiming to be the king of Israel. But Jesus' claim, but Jesus claims that his kingdom is not from this world. Jesus claims that his kingdom is not from this world. He is king, and his kingdom is for this world. But it's radically different than the known and accepted power structure of those times. His upside-down kingdom is epitomized by the cross. 
the place where the world's true king conquers sin and evil by letting it conquer him. Jesus gains his victory over the world through an act of self-giving love. And afterwards, his body is placed in a tomb that is then sealed, and three days later, Mary, and then later the other disciples, discover is strangely open and empty. Jesus then meets Mary alive and risen from the dead. The resurrection, his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, vindicates Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, the author of all life, whose love has conquered death itself. He then meets with the disciples and commissions them by sending the Spirit as he promised. The missions now begin with him, with them, them, carried through them from the Father. As the Spirit enters into his disciples, the missions now begin with them, carried through them from the Father. The Gospel of John ends with an epilogue that explores the ongoing mission of Jesus' disciples in the world. John offers us all a picture of discipleship of Jesus through a story of fishermen. Jesus' followers will be most effective in the world when their focus is not on their own work, but when simply listening for Jesus' voice and obeying him when he speaks. And that's when we can truly see him at work in our lives. Jesus then talks to Peter and commissions him as a unique leader in the Jesus movement, indicating that he too will give up his life one day. But in contrast to Peter, the last moments of the story focus on the author of this gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And unlike Peter, John's job was not to lead the Jesus movement, but rather to spend his long life bearing witness to Jesus so that others might believe in him, which is exactly what he has done for us all by authoring this amazing story about Jesus, the Messiah, the true Son of God. <sighs> packs a punch. <laughs> it packs a punch. Bedridden bear. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm so blessed. Hope everyone is well with you. Love the book of John. Yeah. Love you too, bedridden. Sad. All the homies in the chat, everyone on TikTok, thank you for sticking with me or for tuning in temporarily. Um, I kind of like like and don't like TikTok Live so far. <laughs> it's like constant in and out. I think people's attention spans are too short to stick with for like an hour long um, thing. Someone named Jay though is sticking with me. Jay Arthur. Thank you for sticking sticking with me, sticking tuned, staying tuned to this. Instagram is probably better for that. People like tend to stick in with you longer on their, on your Instagram live feeds. But we'll see. I've been encouraged this week on all the t with all the TikTok drama to um, just put it out there, and hopefully um, the algorithms will send me to the people who need to hear this the most. You know. So yeah. Yeah. Send me comments, send me chats, send me questions, topics you want me to talk about. But we're going to get into this, 
And then we're going to end on an awesome video. I'm going to play an awesome video. Obviously, I can't stream it into my TikTok feed. So you guys are going to have to look it up on your own. But yeah, I wanted to end with an awesome like eight minute long video from a pastor that I kind of I respect a lot and I kind of don't really like in some ways. But um, yeah, we'll end with that. You'll know what I'm talking about. You'll see see who and what I'm talking about. Here's a really nice film version of the Gospel of John. And my girl Blue, Blue, <laughs> my girl Blue in the chat, if you're on DLive, the DLive chat, it might feed it into the other chat rooms as well. But Blue Bear, my girl Blue, um, just, just linked uh, to a YouTube video that is a film version of the Gospel of John. That's awesome. I'll check that out. I have a DVD of Gospel of John, too. I got a bunch of DVDs from my church before I left. They're throwing them out in the library and grabbed them. It's like the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John. I have like six different versions of the Book of Acts. <laughs> they like everyone kept making versions of of Acts uh, <laughs> in movie form. But yeah, I'm also like stuck in my chair right now. Can't swivel. I guess I'm not stuck in my chair. I can't swivel with my chair. But yeah, let's get into it again. Anyone tuning in on TikTok or on any of my stream feeds, DLive, YouTube, Periscope, Trovo, send me questions and I'll get to them. Topics and I'll get to them. And check out that chat so that you can see Blue Bear, the link just Blue Bear posted if you want to watch a film version of the Gospel of John for free on YouTube. But let's get into this. First, second, and third John. John's letters, which... Man, I think First John might be one of my favorite books of the whole, books of the whole Bible, and it's just like a letter. And we're gonna talk about why here. It's amazing. <laughs> it's truly amazing. I've read it like three times in the last two weeks. And I think if you're a Christian and you want to know how churches should work and how churches should be, read First John. If you want to strengthen and test your faith as a Christian, read First John. As people keep linking on my on my TikTok feed. They keep posting 1 John 4.4, 4, 1 John 4.16, 1 John 3. Like there's such amazing, um, such amazing knowledge to be had in the, first, the letter of 1 John. And so again, we don't know exactly 100% for sure who wrote these letters, but I'm very confident and most scholars and people who research the topic are confident that they believe it to be the author, they believe the author to be John the son of Zebedee, the one who Jesus loved most and known at this point in his life as the elder. Not one of the elders, but the elder. High, high praise for, <laughs> for a exile on Patmos. You know, We do know that he was in his old age and overseeing a network of house church communities around the city of Ephesus, excuse me, overseeing a network of house church communities around the city of Ephesus. These communities were made up mostly of Jewish followers of Jesus and that they had recently gone through a crisis that motivated John to write these letters. He mentions that a group of people have broken off from these churches and these people no longer acknowledge Jesus as Israel's Messiah or as the Son of God. And they're stirring up hostility among those who stayed faithful to the churches. Second and third John clearly addressed this conflict. 
2 John is a warning to a specific house church. There are probably people, there are people who deny Jesus and, and John calls them deceivers. They're probably going to come looking for validation or support and this church community is not to offer any. Third John is written to a member of one of these house churches, a man named Gaius. And the elder asks him to welcome legitimate missionaries who are going to arrive soon. He has to tell him to do this because the leader of that church community, Diotrephes, Diotrephes, is being a grumpy face, <laughs> big old grumpy face, and is rejecting anyone. Yeah. I'm like sniffly and sneezy all of a sudden. Ooh, trying to hold back that sneeze. Diotrephes is being a grumpy face. Not a sneezy face, but a grumpy face. And he is rejecting anybody associated with John the Elder. These letters give us a peek behind the curtain at the tension and conflict that John faced in these churches. And 1 John was written as a response to all of this as a form of damage control. The Elder assures those who still believe in the Messiah, Jesus, that God is with them as they adhere to the truth. All of this helps us understand the uniqueness of 1 John, which is actually not a letter at all, but rather it reads more like a poetic sermon sent to these churches. John states that he is not communicating new information, as almost all of the key ideas and words in 1 John come right out of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of John. His goal is just to remind them and persuade these Christians to stay true to what they already say they believe. The poetic quality of John's sermons is not linear, as he uses an ancient rhetorical technique known as amplification to really drive home the few important points he is trying to make about life and truth and love. Life and truth and love. He is going to cycle around these ideas repeatedly, each time offering a little bit different of an angle or added emphasis. He uses a lot of hyperbole, hyperbole, very stark contrasts with simple images of light and dark and love and hate and good and evil. First John is simplistic, but also very profound. There is a clear introduction and a clear conclusion. And the flowing cycles of the sermon in between these two don't follow any kind of rigid literary design, except for the phrase, this is the message, which is told twice, signifying a sort of break into two parts during the letter, both of which contain a repetition of images about how God is first light and then secondly, how God is love. All of the ideas in these two parts, one light and one love, flow out of and back into each of these two core ideas John is explaining. The intro to this letter, like the Gospel of John, speaks of the word of life, the logos of our creator and of all his creation. To John, the word God the word, God, refers to both the Father and the Son. 
who came to bring life into the world. And all who saw and touched and came to know the Son are called we, or the apostles and John himself. And that we, quote unquote, we have a message for you. We, the apostles who were with, came, touched, <laughs> came to know Jesus, the, the Son made flesh. We have a message for you, which is all of us, which is the next generation of all Jesus' followers, anyone who was to come after. When the apostles share the word of life, they are welcoming all who come later into fellowship with the Father and with the Son through the apostles themselves. The word used is koinonia, a profound Greek word used to describe a participation or a sharing. And so when people hear about Jesus and the Father through the works and words of the apostles, they are brought into a real and meaningful relationship with God's love and life. And God is light. <laughs> so if people want to continue their journey towards God and his kingdom, they must remain walking in the light. Keeping the commands of Jesus in doing so, which is difficult and when we fail at doing so, which we will, Jesus' atoning death will cover for your sins. And then once again, you're called to get up and obey Jesus' teachings and rinse and wash and repeat. John makes sure we know Jesus' old and new command given to the disciples at the Last Supper, that they love one another as he loved them. And doing this is walking in the light. God's light is now shining through Jesus, and the world's darkness is passing away, which also means that God's born-again children have victory over sin, over the sin and the evil and the death that reigns in this world. This leads John to challenge the churches to not love the world because it is temporary and lost. He points specifically to pride and sexual corruption, which are likely the main problems connected to the conflict that was happening in the churches. John warns the churches about these people who have left the communities and who deny Jesus as the Messiah. He calls them the anti-Messiahs or the antichrists and deceivers. But he is confident also that those who still know the truth about Jesus are in fact the true children of God, and that they are loved by the Father and remain members of his righteous family as they continue to love one another. Unlike the deceivers who are generating anger and strife and division. We then transition into the second portion of John's sermon which is the message of the apostles. John says that God is love. God is love. And so God's children should love one another and avoid hatred, as Cain did when he murdered his brother. Avoid the hatred that plagued Cain. But for Christians, love is defined as giving up one's life as a sacrifice for the well-being of others. 
this is what Jesus did. And when God's children trust in that love for them, it changes them in a profound way. Jesus warns us once again of the deceivers or the false prophets who deny Jesus is the Messiah. They are seemingly speaking for God, but John says to test the spirits. If anyone claims to speak on God's behalf, but doesn't focus on Jesus as the crucified Son of God, then they do not speak for God. The Lord's true children will enter their whole lives, will center their whole lives on the crucified and risen Jesus, because that's where we see God's true heart revealed. We see on the cross that God is a being of total self-giving love, and that love is what compels Jesus' followers to love others in the same way. When people meet this God of love, it does away with fear and angst forever, which is part of what John means by having victory over the world. For when you realize that God so loves you, that he is crazy about you, despite your deepest flaws and failures, that love, that love, becomes the thing that grounds your entire life. This love is what comes through trusting in the crucified Jesus. It comes through trusting God's testimony about Jesus given by the Spirit and is trusting in the message from the apostles about Jesus. For when God's love gets a hold of you, it opens up eternal life. When God's love gets a hold of you, it ain't letting go. (laughs) It ain't letting go, and it opens up eternal life. It's a life full and completed with God's own presence and life and love. And it begins now. (laughs) Now it begins. And it carries on into eternity. The Apostle John concludes his first letter with a conclusion to his sermon to the church communities. He says, We know the Son of God has come, so we can know that one who is true, so that we can know that one who is true. And we are in the one who is true in his Son, Jesus the Messiah. This is the true God and eternal life. This is the true God and the eternal life. John and the other apostles came to know Jesus, and so naturally they discovered the God who loves us so deeply that he has chosen not to exist without us, despite our failures. They discovered the God who loves us so deeply that he has chosen not to exist without us despite our failures. This God is so surprising, so unexpected, that John's final words call us to keep away from idols, to resist any temptation to remake the surprising God in our own image. To know Jesus is to know the God of creative 
life-giving. Others-centered love. (laughs) To know Jesus is to know the God of creative, life-giving, others-centered love. This, John says, is the one true God. Knowing Jesus is knowing the God of love. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I think John was the one, only one of the 12 disciples who hasn't died a brutal death. Maybe a reward for taking care. Yeah. <laughs> Blue says, I think John was the only one of the 12 disciples who hasn't died a brutal death. I'm not sure about that, but it sounds true, right? I think everyone else I can think of did. Even Judas, right, hung himself? Maybe a reward for taking care of Mary's instead of Acantus, yeah. 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 I mean, that was that was thing. Jesus put everyone, all of his disciples on a mission to go and spread the truth and the love and the life light and the way <laughs> and he warned he warned most of them like you're gonna suffer as i suffered and take it with take it as a, as a badge of honor take it as a compliment and they all did they were all like i will gladly be crucified like my lord was crucified um even like stephen stephen wasn't a disciple i don't believe but even like people like him who were stoned to death for professing the, the name the name the truth the light the way the love um all those who do that all the martyrs of the past were you know, suffer brutal deaths, unfair deaths, unjust, un, you know, in the worldly sense, unfair deaths, brutal deaths. And also their place is eternal in his kingdom. <laughs> and one day we'll meet them. One day we'll be able to shake their hand and be like, thank you for all you did. <laughs> thank you so much for everything you did. Um, yeah. Thank you <laughs> for all you've done for me. Any last questions, send them now. Um, I'll get to them. Thank you, everyone on TikTok again for showing up and commenting. Um, you can watch the replay, the whole stream replay, and you can catch up on all my other previous streams. This is 48, stream 49. So you can catch up on all my previous 48 streams if you want to get to know me and hear my thoughts and theories and stuff. Um, along the way over the last two years, year and a half-ish, um, at seanvplanet.com has the links, or if you just want to follow me on bitshoot.com slash seanvplanet, or if you want to find me on YouTube, S-E-A-N-V-P-L-A-N-E-T. Um, any last comments or questions, I'll answer them. But I'm going to close this out. TikTok, you're not going to be able to see it because it feeds through from my computer, but we're going to watch an awesome video here. I'm going to close out on an awesome video about Barabbas. I um, love this video every time I hear it. It's about Barabbas um, and how powerful and beautiful God's love for us truly is. It's by Judah Smith. It's been like artistically rendered, obviously, and like recreated to be more like passionate with some music behind it and stuff like that. But Judah Smith, he's an awesome, passionate preacher from Seattle. I have like disagreements with some things he says. I don't like, you know, the way he prays. But that's my own personal you know, opinion about some of his like themes, some of his style. But overall, he has an amazing message. He has amazing messages and he's very like scripturally literate. He sticks true to the word and gives really good advice. And I think he's doing really good work. He works for a group called Church Home. 
um, out of Seattle, Seattle and LA. And you can find them on uh, YouTube, podcast apps. I listen to his, his past sermons on podcast through like podcast apps. And they have their own app too, but I don't really use that. Um, it's called Church Home. So it's C-H-U-R-C-H-O-M-E, Church Home. That was awesome. Thanks, Sean, for the read of John. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Bedroom Bear. Keep crushing. <laughs> Keep loving. Keep loving and living in the light. But yeah, this group and Judah are doing awesome work in spreading the truth and love that so many are craving and searching for in these wild and wacky days. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, hope you enjoy it. Again, TikTok, I'm going to have to end after this. But stay tuned for this video I'm going to play at the end if you're watching live on my stream feeds on DLive, YouTube, Periscope, and Trovo. And Twitch, of course, is not working for me. Um, but who gives us true life? God or Jesus? Who gives us true life? God or Jesus? The Apostle John responds with, yes. <laughs> yes is the answer. Blue Bear says, thanks, Sean. Nice stream. I've listened to it together with my 1.5-year-old boy. He doesn't speak English, but he likes it. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I love that. If I can make him smile, if I can spread some light and some love, even if he doesn't even know what I'm saying, I'll, I'll take that as a win for the day. Um, and, yeah, hopefully number two on the way. Number two or number three on the way. Um, all that's going well for you, Blue. My girl, Blue, will do. Praise our Father. Yes. Yeah. Amen, guys. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. I love you all. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to have you in my life. Even if you're just internet friends, you're just, you know, we're connected spiritually as brothers and sisters. And these screens are, uh, yeah, they're like weird and silly and I have my thoughts about them. But they're connecting us through love and light. And that's amazing. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for always being here and always supporting Love that, and I love you guys. And just end, end real quick by saying, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he loves us so much, and we can show him that we love him back by obeying his commands, by loving each other, by loving each other, even if it's through screens and through chat rooms, by loving each other, all of our neighbors and even our enemies, by forgiving each other for whatever wrongs those around us may do or have done, and by not resenting or hating anyone or anything. We must appreciate the sacrifice that the Lord has made for us and reciprocate that by following him and his right ways. We must love and then love again, and then love some more and then keep loving and then after that, continue on loving. <laughs> and then keep loving after that. And then after that, we're going to double down with some more love. Until we love our way, until we love our way into the eternal place in the Father's home where we truly belong. Repent for whatever wrongs and sins you may have done in the past. Forgive others for whatever wrongs and whatever sins they may have done for you, to you, or to others around you in the past, and walk forward in God's light and towards his love that is missing in your heart.
or once missing in your heart. Reconnect spiritually with your creator and let him lead you into your true home where you belong, his glorious kingdom. Go out and have a great week. Next few weeks, my peoples, I'm going to be here next week, but two weeks I'll be back with an interview. Um, hopefully I'll be back after that, but I might have to take a little bit of a pause break in my life to get my, to move and get my job situated and all that stuff and do lifey things and life stuff. Um, but in the meantime, I love you. I so love you all. Thank you all for showing up. You guys are awesome. Set of Acantus, Bedridden, Blue Bear. Andrew was here earlier. Thank you. Um, everyone. Slap Weasel, Post Jazz. Um, Lauren, my girlfriend in the chat, everyone, legends, everyone here on TikTok, love God, one, one, three, two, <laughs> um, Eileen, I'm, I'm over it, <laughs> John Phillips, thank you all for tuning in and sticking with me on TikTok, um, I love you all so much, reciprocate that love out into the world this week, um, remember, you know, as always, I love you. But as always, remember, God loves you. He loves you so much. <laughs> he loves you so much he created you and he's not, he's not ending you um, now and forever. And just keep crushing, my dudes. Spread the good, the true, and the beautiful around you at all times in every single moment. And just do good, be good, love, and be loved. Take care, y'all. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. 
there seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I felt I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the freak? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas? And they start to take my chains off. And I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son. Let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. 
I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sin, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off? thinking that we were going to set ourselves free. It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If His blood is sufficient for your salvation, His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. My artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company, Mountain Folk, is amazing. They promote artists, they create mesmerizing art, and they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N-F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P. And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad. Just help good people do good things. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBPlanet